Bonjour. I'm Terence Galenter, your American friend in Paris, coming to you almost live from Café Terence in Paris's 3e arrondissement. Today and every Saturday, I will be joined by colleagues to discuss books, movies, and song. And at the finale of every broadcast, I will sing a selection from the American Songbook. And welcome to uh, Café Terence in Paris. My guest today is Carol Bumpus, author, uh, psychologist or psychiatrist? Psychologist. Psychologist. Uh, although at the moment you're not practicing. No, that's correct. And uh, the author, if I, if I count correctly, uh, four books or five? Four, and the fifth one will be out in uh, April next year. In Italiano. Si, yes, si. yes. Perfecto, perfecto. <laughs> well, first of all, I, I, I want to say uh, congratulations. It's, it's, it's great to see someone change careers uh, and, and do it successfully and find something that she is passionate about and, and loves. I believe that we, if I'm not mistaken, we met in um, in San Jose when I was hosting an event with um, Carol Bur Carolyn Burke. Um, no, actually, I met you in Paris. Um, I know you came to. Oh, I know you came. Yes, oh, sorry, I had, confusing. I, had, I did an event there, right? You came to the Cafe Floor. Yes, yes, I did that, um, and I had uh, gotten your name from a French expat who lives here in California, and she had connected me with you. And then when I was in, um, I think it was the summer of 2014, I had just come off the mm -hmm. World War II veterans tour in the summer, in August. And well, you were with your friend, I believe. Yes, I, yes, Josiane. Uh, Josiane, yes, yeah. yes. Who ends up being the, uh, she's part of the four of these books, four of the five. Right. <laughs> Well, under an assumed name. Uh, in only in the novel, she's under assumed yeah, only name. In the novel. And yeah. Ben, yeah. Uh, because books one and two are the actual tours, I'm using people's actual name, actual names, mm -hmm. and their uh, villages where they live, and um, so that that works out because really what I was wanting to do in these books was to thank them for having me in their homes and sharing their stories and their culture and their cuisine. And this was the, the real deal. This was the real trip. So the first book, uh, book one, um, was, came out last year. And this is where Josiane and I and my husband, uh, Winston, who we, we take a trip from Paris out into the Champagne region and then start the cooking classes uh, with her cousins and stay in their homes and we went to uh, the Alsace and stayed with friends and again it's cooking classes and uh, trading of cultural um, norms and traditions but a lot of it was also connecting back into World War II. My stories always will go back to World War II because that was the, the impetus for, for writing these in the first place. Why don't, we go, why don't we go back to the beginning, to the very first book, and, and uh, that story and how it came about. Okay, well, um, Josiane um, lives in a town, well, in fact, I was living in the town with her in Livermore, California, and this was back in um, 2001, 2002, and um, she heard that I was interested in um, wanting to know about French cooking. 
And so she um, called me on the phone and she said, if you want to know about French cooking, then why don't you come over to my home tonight? And um, which was kind of startling. I didn't know her at all. Um, but I went and it was it changed my life. She changed my life. She was she's such a delight. But then a couple of weeks later, she came over to my house with her mother, Marcel, and um, her Mar Marcel's story was so um, poignant and incredible to me. It was a story of a woman who had been born on the last day of World War I in uh, Brittany and had never known who her father was and because he did not come home from the war. And she actually never knew why she had the last name she did have. But then fast forward into World War II, she had unfortunately um, been raped and had a small child working as a single mother in in Paris during... Raped rape by, a, by a German soldier? No, or? this was uh, before. It was by... Um, she was working for a, um, a small farm um, mm -hmm. up in Brittany, and it was the farmer's son that uh, raped her where she was working. And so she had to leave there, make her way into Paris, have her baby on her own, and, and the struggle was to me, very poignant. And then when she was working for a Citron um, factory, um, mm -hmm. that was when the Germans marched in from the north and everyone evacuated and she was among them. In fact, the Citron factory was supposed to be relocated in Bordeaux and uh, they all made their way the best they could, some a little bit by train, but most of it was walking. She walked to Bordeaux from Paris, and uh, then uh, made, ended up having to return because uh, then uh, France had been uh, turned over to the Germans, and so they had to return back to Paris and work for the Germans. And that's where her son, young son, was, and uh, they had been left, uh, he had been left with all of the um, employees' children and um, at a special home. And so he turned five when just just before she returned. So it was that type of um, story of uh, trying to understand a woman during wartime. How do you provide? How do you succeed? How do you move forward um, during a time like this? So, um, how, did, how did you how did your professional skills come into play when you're listening to this story and beginning to transition it into a book? Well, uh, actually, it, I, it, it was in one little sentence or one little story that um, Marcel was telling me, and I had asked her just and what I was asking her about was what kinds of foods did you prepare uh, or did you have as a child? What, what did you enjoy? What were your favorites? And that was how I was entering into the conversation with her. And um, then I said, what foods did you serve your family as a young wife, not knowing any of this other background? And um, she threw her head back and laughed, and she said, well, we never had to diet. And she said, we were in hiding. By that point, she had been, uh, she had another child, and she was now down in the Auvergne, 
They had gone down there fleeing uh, Paris because the Allies were actually bombing Paris at that point. And so they went down there uh, for safety's sake, and she did get married down there, and um, she was in hiding because her husband was part of the Maquis, which is the... Um, the Bush resistance, type of yeah. resistance, uh, the ones that were blowing up bridges, the ones that were um, taking all of the a lot of the chances of physical demolition. And so she was in hiding down there. So when I said, what kinds of foods did you prepare as a young wife? She laughed and said, we never had, you know, we had to look for even a potato or two to be able to survive. And I realized at that moment that these questions that I was asking uh, needed to go deeper. And I needed to understand, so what was it like for her in hiding as a young mom? And her husband may or may not be coming back. Um, absolutely no infrastructure supporting her. And um, I followed that story. And so that, my initial interviews with people in France and Italy, because I had done quite a few by that point, um, but it was her story that I kept referring back to and thinking about and thinking about. So I put everything else, the Savoring the Old Ways series, which is book one, two, and three, I put those on hold to write the novel and do the research. And that's what the novel is about. It's based on her life. The novel life. was called A Cup of Redemption. Somehow we managed to not mention that at the outset. I'm a sorry. A Cup yes. of Redemption. Correct. No, I take equal responsibility. Uh, a Cup of Redemption. Uh, getting, Making that transition to actually write the book and, and find a publisher must have been a somewhat of a journey in itself. Well, it was. I was not a writer. I was a family therapist. And so that meant that um, it took me actually 12 years to pull it together. And uh, so I... Um, 12 years from the time you sat down with your yellow pad and, right. and made notes? Right. And that I moved forward and I was taking classes in writing. I was... Uh, and this, at this point, my husband had been transferred to um, Austin, Texas, so I moved everything down there to Texas, and I was um, uh, taking classes down there, and I it was during that time of taking these writing classes that it dawned on me that I didn't want to just tell a story. I wanted to get into this woman's head, and I wanted to tell it with um, dialogue, so I needed to learn how to do the dialogue, but I wanted to honestly do the best I could to tell her story from the inside out. And I had to do that through um, letters, of which there were some, and there were all of these interviews that I had done with family members. And so I had background, but I didn't have her actual words other than what I remembered her telling me and saying, you know, she would have these wonderful little quips about, well, we, you know, when living in Paris, we still could get a, a, a decent Chateau Margaux. Well, there's no way she could have. There's no way they had that kind of money. Um, they almost starved to death in Paris. And that is something that I found was one of the um, themes that I wanted to find out throughout all the stories that I was bringing forward.
what was it like to live with war on your doorstep? And she was the beginning. And uh, how many times did you come to Paris prior to the publication of the book? Well, we met in 2014. Right. You were here for some event. Right. uh, Some memorial. Yes. I traveled with the World War II veterans on several occasions. And instead of uh, the event for the landing on the Normandy beaches, I would show up for... um, as a war correspondent, I was kind of brought in by 3rd Infantry Division World uh, War Correspondent to be there for the landing on the southern beaches, which was in Nice and along the uh, Côte d'Azur. And so I would travel with, it was usually about an entourage of 40-some people. It was the veterans and their family members. And we traveled from one village to another, 40 different villages in 10 days. Now, these men Did were... Did you hook up with someone in uh, in the Bay Area who was part of an organization? That was Did Josiane. With this access? That was Josiane. Oh, Josiane. Yeah, it was Josiane and also a good friend of ours um, who was John Shirley, who was a mayor, had been a previous mayor of Livermore. So I had met him, and he said, if you really want to understand what the World War II was right like, then you need to come with me. And so I hooked up with him, and Josiane was his translator, and um, oh my gosh, she's just, just a jump. as well. Oh yes, absolutely. So she was translating the whole thing for all the 40, 50 people that were traveling along on this tour. So we would go to these 40 different villages, and I would meet uh, some of the former Mackey, and I would be I would be able to interview them, find out what life was like under um, the World War II oppression, and find out what it was like for um, the veterans, what it was like for them as young soldiers. And they were really young. Uh, you think about it. It was like 18, 19 years old, and here they were. You know, they were being uh, celebrated as um heroes in all these villages, literally tens of thousands of people showed up to say thank you to the Allies. Thank you. After 65, 70, 75 years of... A lot uh, of Americans, uh, for some reason, got caught up in freedom fries and all that nonsense. Yes, yes. Don't, particularly since you've been to Normandy, just how uh, how deeply felt... Uh, that affection and that gratitude is uh, among among the French. Yes, yes, um, it's there is something about it. So we had we had children that were from ages four or five years old on up through um, some of the the people that had been there and been liberated, and they're all waving these little little um, American flags and screaming and shouting and and cheering on the veterans, the handful of veterans that were able to go. And um, there were uh, fantastic banquets, there were parades, there were uh, festivals, all for just saying thank you, thank you. And the one motto that was um, continuing throughout our entire journey was that we will never forget. The French said, we will never forget that you liberated us at that time. And it's still today, uh, still today in France, they celebrate this. In fact, the 15th, which is coming up on Saturday, 
Um, I'm mm -hmm. just looking at my calendar. And that was the day of the greatest liberation, and that was in 1944. So all of these years, on the 15th of August, if you are down in the south of France, whether you're in Cannes or you're wherever you are along the Côte d'Azur, there are huge celebrations that go on every single year, every single year. And sometimes the president of France is there. It's all the mayors, the vice mayors of all the villages. They're all celebrating this very day, this very celebration that our veterans were part of, part and parcel of the allies that came on board. And then they marched from all the way from the south of France all the way up into Germany. And so we go with, we went with them from, um, uh, let's see, from Cannes and Nice, all the way up, actually up the Rhone River, followed them on their liberation tour, all the way up into Strasbourg. And that's where we ended the tour of the 10 days. Well, you're also, I'm sure, quite lucky that uh, you were able to see a lot of people who aren't with us today. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And their stories are yet to come. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't. Well, you haven't yet fully minded. Oh, now. my gosh. Uh, yeah. You know, then you you moved off into into cooking and be uh, and well in, into food and 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 culture associated with cooking. But in in this book, it seems that every chapter had you quote Mary Frances Kennedy Fisher. Uh, tell the audience who for those who don't know who she was and, and why she was so important to you. Uh, perhaps she was your inspiration. She was. She was definitely my inspiration. She was one of the very first food or culinary travel writers. Um, and she began writing back, I think, in the 30s. Um, and she was actually in France for quite a spell during just after World War I, I believe it was, and in between World War I and II. And she wrote many books about the French. How to Cook a Wolf. How to Cook a Wolf. Yeah. yeah. If a wolf is at your Go door, then first, uh, I guess. you better. Yeah. Yeah. So, in fact, um, I don't know if you can see some of the books behind me, but um, I have many of her books. And she was one of the very first that inspired me. And um, and that was that was a, a wonderful time of connecting to. Uh, and one of the things that I wanted to do was to connect with the people, um, not like a tourist, but from the inside looking out, I wanted to know not what peeking in through the window, but being at that table, that family table, and understanding what life was like in that family. So then um, the way that I figured I could do this as a family therapist was to talk about something that everyone loves. It's food. What brings you to the table? That's that was my motto. What brings you to the well, table? Particularly in this country. Yes, yes. Well, where I'm sitting, not. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, and what I found was that, my gosh, it was just joyful. It was just I. It was a wonderful gift, and every place that Josie Ann took me, uh, then so the actual journey where I collected the information for the novel, was done during the books one and two. I'm collecting all of that information at the same time. You're like a, like a, like a film director, you're collecting uh, elements of the, of the story uh, 
not necessarily right. chronologically, right. and then piecing them together individually. Well, I had no, I had no clue at the time that I was doing this what I was going to do, to be fully honest. And um, it wasn't until after. So, so originally, Marcel, the mother, um, was she and Josiane said, "Why don't you come with me? Uh, come with them to." Um, to France and to tour all over France and we'll look at the cooking methods and I had said well I'd love to know about your haute cuisine and she said oh my dear we don't do haute cuisine where I come from and we only do the peasant cooking cuisine pauvre cuisine grand-mère yes yes or pauvre and uh, mm -hmm. so it's the poverty um, p-a-u-v-r-e pauvre mm -hmm. and so um that was something I truly wanted to know because that's the traditional food. And I had um, been traveling with another um, culinarian who was a um, cooking instructor here in, in California. And we were looking at traditional foods and traditional cooking uh, and recipes that what, what is, and in fact, that's what the um, fast food or the slow food movement is all about. Um, cooking foods that are seasonal, that are local, and that are um, economical. And that's really what the peasant cooking was about, and that's really the true form. And so that was what we were going to research going over to France, the three of us together. Then 9-11 happened. We canceled our September trip that, that was supposed to happen that so it's almost 20 years ago. And um, the next month, Marcel died. Mm. And so all of this, I thought, had come to a crashing halt. But then about six months or, or less later, Josiane said, as a tribute to my mother, I would like for us to continue to go. And so that was what we did. We, we went in the spring of uh, twenty. Um, oh, two, I guess it was, and or 2002. And mm -hmm. so these, this trip of books one and books two are where I am traveling with Josiane and we are collecting the stories with Marcel in mind because she truly was the impetus and the inspiration to go and she to was research over this. You at some point. She was. Uh, she of, was. She, you know, one of the things you yeah. talk about, I'm looking at page 11, uh, and pardon my Flemish pronunciation, which is almost impossible, but a poch vlech. Uh, describe the, yes. that particular meal. And have you, have you done it in California? Uh, yes, uh, we did some testing of um, all these recipes. I think there are 19 recipes, and that was one of them. But uh, the pot um was was uh, something of, I think originally it was leftovers, supposed to be leftovers. Sure. But now Le the rest. way you make it, yes, you put in the best Just of what you've got. Just the title of, of, of this book, Carol, as was the first book, is Searching for Family and Traditions at the French Table. In this case, we're looking at book two. Correct. Correct. And so this is, um, yes, this is the second part of our journey. 
we had returned to Paris and then we had it, I dropped off, uh, we dropped off my husband in Paris because he had work to do and Josiane and I headed out and book two is all about our journey north and um, to all these new other regions that she's, she's teaching me about and taking me to friends and families, members, homes. Yeah, in, not, not the um, obvious uh, tourist destinations. No, no. No, I did stop at some, but um, a lot of it had to do with my interest in the in the history and the history sure. of the region, the hist and the connection to to family. So, mm -hmm. um, but the Pont Levesque was just—it's a terrain type of thing that it's like three or four meats that are uh, pressed down together and baked. And then uh, turned out onto a uh, platter and served cold and a just sliced like nice a wedge. Beer. Yes, yes, yes. A nice no, Belgian no beer. beer. In the preparation, but <laughs> beer in the, in the degustation. Yeah. yeah, they said, yeah, they know. I, you know, I want to compliment you on something. Uh, you know, uh, your book, as your book was being prepared, the, uh, we were attacked by, by COVID. And, and you found a very, I, I thought, a very original way to develop publicity for your book, apart from the great Caitlin Hamilton, who I've come to really love, the publicist in Tennessee, but uh, where you were requesting recipes for people. Talk about that, because I'm sure that was very gratifying to see the, the outpouring of uh, communication with people. Uh, it, was a, it was a delight. So um, on the, I guess we shut down on the, what was it, the... 14th. It was the 14th of March. Yeah. Uh, March. And um, I, I remember it was Pi Day, 314. <laughs> so I suddenly realized that I wasn't going to be able to go to the markets and do get all of the foods that I was going to need to do the testing um, of these recipes. And so I just went to my newsletter and um, sent out a message, kind of an SOS, would you like to join me in my virtual test kitchen? And I received, I don't know how many um, letters uh, right away, right away. And they wanted, they were also holed up in their kitchens. And some of them had um, access to more ingredients than others. And so I think I sent out 80 copies of my 19 recipes. And so everyone and I received word back from people in France. I, I heard back from people in England, all across the United States. They wanted to try. Well, you know, there's a book in this story. <laughs> Maybe a little book. A book. A, a bookette. A bookette. Yeah. Well, the the fun thing was that I, you know, it was. I was hearing back from people that I hadn't heard from in years, and they were all wanting to, to try this out, and it was just delightful. And um, so as, as soon as I would get messages, so what I was requesting from them was to say, um, tell me how did it work? Did it work? Did the ingredients, were they right and or correct? And uh, was this easy or difficult, or what would you change? Did you have to substitute? Because and what I realized was that the true peasant cooking is always substitution, always, because there's never a time that you have the exact ingredients in your cupboard when you need them. 
<laughs> and in this case, um, that was happening all across the world because we couldn't get to the supermarkets. We couldn't get this particular, um, like the duck. Um, we have duck in there, and we have rabbit, and we have all, all kinds of different um, peasant foods. But that's not always accessible to most people. So anyway, it was just it was a fun thing. And so they would tell me, OK, this worked. This didn't work. I had to try this three times. And but I think I've got it down pat now. The tartatan, um, which was um, from Brittany, was a puff pastry type of thing that um, had been told to me as being the simple food that like, a simple cake that was taken by the um, Breton women to a gift as kind of a housewarming or a special gift if they were going visiting. And it was incredibly difficult. <laughs> I thought, what are they doing? You know, it's just kind of, I can't understand it. It's in fact, um, a lot of people were doing um, at the same time, trying out the uh, sourdough breads and we're finding that, oh, my gosh, this is complex. And who would ever in their right mind do this? So that was kind of going on at the same time. People were trying both kinds of things. I did have one gal, Karine um, Fauché, who's actually, um, she is the one who I visited in, um, in the book. And she's in Normandy. And um, she had given me part of a recipe for turgul, which is this very, very ancient rice pudding. And the um, recipe that I had had way too much milk in it. And people found that. And, and so she actually tested it not once but twice, and, um, and she's still over in France, and uh, said, okay, I think this is what I remember my grandmother making. And so because we were also all the recipes had to be translated, all the recipes had the ingredients had to be set to our standard um, measurements. And, um, you know, so it's it, it's been more complex than I ever expected it to be. I never. Well, you have your own test kitchen. Yes, now. yes. So, which I want to, uh, you have an event coming up before we uh, we close out the program on September the third. Yes, uh, which is a, a COVID uh, style activity. Yes, talk about the book launch on September third and how people can uh, connect with you to uh, participate. Well, I just got the final words on that yesterday, so it's still kind of in the mix. But this is Books Inc. Um, out of Palo Alto, and I've had two other book launches with this this wonderful bookstore. And mm -hmm. uh, so you just connect into books, comma, Inc., and, or maybe it's just books, Inc., and dot com. And, uh, Is it dot com or dot net? Uh, it might be dot net. I think it is not because okay. I remember I've worked with the Tuckers when they the previous owners. Okay. But anyway, if they go to Carol Bumpus, that's Carol as in Carol Bouquet, C A R O L E B U M P U S dot com. Right. Uh, I think they can find all the information there. Right. Right. And so that one will be a Zoom uh, book launch in my from mm -hmm. my kitchen. Wonderful. <laughs> Directly from my kitchen. Well, I look I look forward to it. Thank Carol, you. It's been great. Great to catch up. Uh, 
Chapeau, 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 as we say. Thank you. And the next <clears throat> next year we'll have this conversation in Italian. Yes, or try. <laughs> well, 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 I'll speak Italian. You can answer me in French. <laughs> oh, only English. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, once again, congratulations. Thank you. It's been great to catch up. And I, uh, as you notice, we've been doing a, a lot of work on the website uh, around your book. Thank you. And I appreciate that. Lots of uh, reviews from uh, from my readers, and this will uh, broadcast most likely next uh, Friday, okay. which would be the twenty first. Okay, that sounds great. So, and in the meantime, uh, I will get the books out to all the winners. I just got home off the sailboat yesterday, and I'm going to ship these books out to all the winners. Wonderful. Uh, they're, they're anxiously waiting to get their <laughs> copy of Searching for Family and Traditions at the, at the French Table, book two. Carol, Thank you congratulations so much. again. Thank you. Great talk, and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Au revoir.